Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The following is a presentation of the Bellip Sports Media Network. You're listening to the Sports Scramble Podcast, where four friends serve up a weekly plate of sports with a side of SEC bias. Now, here are your hosts, Chet, Jacob, Wade, and Tyler. What is going on, party people? Hello, world. All the sayings that I've been saying the past couple of weeks. I forget which one I started with. Uh, welcome to Sports Scramble Podcast, presented by Belly Up Sports. I'm your host, Chet. And we got Tyler and Wade with us tonight. How y'all doing? Doing pretty good. Ready to talk some sports, and we're getting closer uh, to the football season. Uh, so can't complain with that. It's a couple of weeks away. I know we had preseason start today or last week. College football's in two weeks, or we got week zero this weekend. I think we're well, down we to a week. Yeah. Not this weekend, but next weekend. Yeah. Who do, who do we got week zero? Isn't there like Notre well, Dame? USC Notre Dame and Navy. State. <laughs> Let's see. I'll, get it. I'll pull it up here real quick. All important week zero where last last year we had Florida State play. It is uh, important to get the, uh, the jitters out. they play, out, Jet? You know, play. <laughs> Duquesne. There you Did go. Did I say it right? Did I say it right? All yeah, right. You, yeah. Know, you know French after being at LSU for four years. <laughs> We've got Navy versus Notre Dame in Dublin. Um, That'll be good. Hawaii at Vanderbilt. Uh, Vandy's Ohio always State. playing in week zero. That's like uh, the Detroit Lions Jose always State. playing at home. On Thanksgiving. Yeah. Saturday, August 26th. So in two weeks. So all you crazy sports fans, you don't have to wait that much longer. Um, but of course, we're bringing you everything we got. But how was, I want to hear about y'all's weekends. Everybody had a good weekend. Get out and play some golf maybe when it's 115 yes, degrees. I did go hit golf balls. <laughs> did. Oh, lucky you because uh, your boy did not. It was too hot. I'm it's, sticking to the, uh, the turf golf for the summer and, and having a drink in the – fan but then in the fall i'll go back to the real course and start playing real golf but i feel like i hit the ball a lot better off the turf so it's it's addicting <laughs> well yeah everybody hits it better off the turf but it's just gonna make you soft wage you're gonna get out there and start to sweat you're gonna fall well, apart. it's better than breaking my brand new clubs in half because of how <laughs> hard the ground is right now it hasn't yeah. rained in louisiana for like three weeks yeah we we have a 20 percent chance of rain on friday and a cold front moving in on Wednesday. It's supposed to be 98 degrees, and it's classified as a cold front. So that's uh, I'm looking forward to that one because I have my Wednesday night league scramble. I better pack a jacket. You got to. I got to be careful. <laughs> um, but no, it's uh, it is what it is. It's summer. I, the the heat wave's supposed to end here. I think in like two weeks is what they're predicting. But we'll see. But I feel bad for these football players we're about to talk about that are actually going to be out there running around in pads. Playing, playing in Ireland fields. doesn't sound too bad. No, I yeah. think I'd uh, take the trip over there to Ireland. Um, but let's go ahead and jump on into it. Start off with some NFL headlines. They were just breaking left after right. I kept updating the notes. I was like, come on, man. I'm trying to put the final copy on my laptop. Uh, we'll start with Ezekiel Elliott. Signs with the Patriots. One year, I think it was $6.5 million. Tyler, what do you think? Uh, Big Zeke, is he going to be eating in New England? I, I definitely think so. It's going to be a split backfield. Uh, it sucks. Uh, I was very high on Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, if you've been uh, listening and watching to this podcast, I have Ramondre Stevenson uh, in the top 10 of my fantasy running backs. Uh, he's ultimately going to slide all the way down. I had him at, honestly, I would have been content with him being, you know, your lead back if you went double wide receiver to start your draft. Uh, but now I think that he's still a flex play. I, I do think that Ezekiel Elliott, uh, whenever they get into the goal line, I just feel like they're going to give Ezekiel Elliott the ball. It just feels similar to what they've been running this, you know, these past couple of years. Bill Belichick uh, is one of those head coaches that just loves to run both their running backs into the ground. 
I think that Zeke is going to take uh, what Damian Harris's role was. Uh, so I'm not ultimately fading him uh, in fantasy football terms, uh, but I am dropping him down the level. Uh, whenever he, he's probably going to go right into that RB dead zone uh, that starts around number four uh, this year. Uh, but I would still be content uh, taking Ramondre Stevenson as my flex. But in football terms, I definitely think that the Patriots, they probably have one of the best uh, one-two punches in the league. Yeah, I mean, Wade and I were talking a little bit pre-show um, I don't think it hurts Stevenson's volume too much. I mean, obviously it does. It's two running backs now. I mean, simple math. But I think I don't think Zeke's going to be used like the workhorse uh, that he originally was intended to be used like in Dallas. I think it's still Stevenson's team, and then Zeke is like your third down red zone for for the Patriots. It's a great move for fantasy. It sucks. Yeah, there's a lot of people who are very high on Stevenson. I know Wade loves him. I mean, he's got the Ramondre dreads in his closet <laughs> that he was going to wear on draft night because he was picking him number one. Wade, have you changed your mind? Are you? I'm still, not hitting the you... panic button quite yet because I would much rather this be Ezekiel Elliott than Dalvin Cook or Leonard Fournette because Ezekiel Elliott couldn't catch a ham if you threw it at him on Thanksgiving. I mean, that's just <laughs> We not saw that game. plenty of times. I'm surprised <laughs> it wasn't a turkey, but uh, I think he was always catching that. So, But y'all know I love Ezekiel Elliott. I have taken him like four straight drafts in the Southern Savages League. Maybe we'll see him again this year. I don't know. Um, but I, I think they can play a complementary role. And Ramondre Stevenson was able to finish in the top 10 of running backs last year with only five touchdowns. So touchdowns aren't really where he's getting his points. He's getting his points from being, a, I guess, a pass-catching running back on dump-off yep. passes from Mac Jones. So if he's out there the majority of the time and he's still doing that, um, I don't think he has to rely on the touchdowns all so much. Um, probably why they brought in Ezekiel Elliott is because he, he struggled on the goal line last year but still got the lion's share of the work. So I think this is bigger for Zeke than it is bad for Ramondre. Um, but I, like, I think I like Ezekiel it. Elliott's definitely worth an ad um, or a, a late draft pick. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be one of those guys that by week you throw him in there and hope maybe he scores a touchdown. And that kind of – that that's how – he's going to be very touchdown dependent is what I'm thinking. And if Ramondre gets hurt, I mean, Zeke, you know, ultimately right, right can there. become a league winner for you. Yeah, And, and the Patriots had a lot of money um because they didn't take a, a buyer's approach in the offseason but after the draft shaked out and they saw some things going in the AFC they decided uh to kind of make a run at it here and they had 15 million dollars in cap space to work with so they were able to pay for for Elliot here but um I think that since they brought him in so late, they, they can't possibly be game planning their entire offense around him. No, I think he's your running back too, for sure. Uh, someone that I think is going to hurt Breesaw, that's for sure. That's Dalvin much more Cook. significant. Yeah, mm -hmm. to the Jets. I think Dalvin Cook comes in, running back one, plug him in with Aaron Rodgers, and just let him do their thing. Uh, I mean, Tyler, Breesaw was – I mean, yeah, he's coming off an ACL injury – had a phenomenal start to the season, and people were really taking high flyers on him this time. But I think I'd pump the brakes on him this, this go-around. What do you think? I think I was pumping the brakes on Brees Hall anyways because he was coming off of that ACL injury, uh, like you mentioned. But now that Dalvin Cook is in the mix, uh, if you're talking about a split backfield, I agree with you, Wade. I think that this is a worse situation uh, than what Ramondre Stevenson is going to be dealing with. You know, Dalvin Cook, he still has a lot of tank. Uh, and the gas, you know, the Minnesota Vikings, you know, whenever he was with them last season, I think that he was one of the best uh, fantasy running backs uh, that you can get. Uh, so I wasn't really all that high on, on Brees Hall. Oh, I know that he's, you know, one of the elite uh, pass catching backs uh, in the NFL. Uh, so I would probably not even touch uh, Brees Hall. And, and, you know, Dalvin Cook, that would definitely be uh, worth a late flyer. You got to play the ADP game and I would rather have Dalvin Cook in the later rounds. Yeah, I mean, a lot of uh, tank in the gas or a lot of gas in the tank. The world will never know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I think I'm taking Dalvin Cook. So, I mean, he's a, it's just like last year. He was a running back one in Minnesota. Um, of course, different quarterback, different kind of team situation there. But I think he fits into this office, offense perfectly. And if you need a running back, come pick, you know, round six or seven. And he's still on the board. Take him. I'm going to wait. Take him with the number one pick in the draft. I mean, <laughs> oh what do you God. think? Well, well, guys, is this a year where you, if you're playing in a double flex league or even a single flex league, do you take one of these committees to just guarantee yourself points if it's a productive offense like the Jets? Or just draft the both of them and 
draft both of them and start yeah. them both? Is that what you're saying? I mean, right. might as well. They're both going to provide you points. So you rather have that than go to like a backfield that's not really a good offense. I mean, these are two of really good offenses. You know, the Patriots offense, you know, Mac Jones had some question marks, so I think. But, uh, you know, if you're on the Jets, you got Aaron Rodgers there. You got Gary Wilson there. I mean, that is just fantasy heaven right there to have those two uh, running backs. So, honestly, if you want to handcuff to have them both on your roster, I wouldn't. I would definitely take them. Because you really? could gamble and, and play, you know, three guys that have 60% of the backfield for other teams. And then if all the secondary guys get touchdowns that week, you're you're out of luck. Yeah. But if you That's true. guarantee yourself a touchdown between the two of them every week, uh, you might not yeah. be. One of them is going to get it. Hey, I, I did that with uh, Leonard Fournette and um, Ronald Jones. Ro- Rojo. Rojo. Rojo and Tampa. Leonard Fournette. I just started both of them. And said, Look, <laughs> and I did it last year in Tampa. And their backup. Exactly. You just throw, throw them both in and, l- and let it roll and see what happens. Where's uh, Leonard going to sign, speaking of, of Leonard? Oh, I think Dallas. Oh, my God. Please, no. <laughs> not another running back that I've been hyping up. Please. They're all going to fall like dominoes now that the price has been set. We saw Elliott get $6 million, which was higher than any of us thought. And then that jacked eight, up Dalvin Cook's value good. for sure. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm actually really I feel like surprised. the Bears would be like the backfield that I would see him going in. Because like uh, be Khalil really, Herbert, really Roshan well. Johnson, there's really not a quote-unquote RB1 there. So if he really wants to be the RB1, go there. If he, I think that Dallas definitely makes a lot of sense. Uh, it would definitely pain me because I've been talking up Tony Pollard. I know. Uh, Everybody you're yeah, picking, Tyler. They're yeah. signing these so running well, That's just how the NFL works. Don't right. go to Dallas. <laughs> um, you, need, you need multiple guys that can run it, and that's part of the reason why they're not getting paid yeah. quite as much. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of surprised because, you know, Lenny's from New Orleans. He's, he was always said he wanted to play for the Saints. I'm surprised he didn't take a visit down there. Um, they just signed Darrell Williams, former LSU running back. Um, signed him to kind of be their third string. You know, Eno Robinson, Torres Achilles. That's his name, right? Or is it Johnson? Kendra Miller? Uh, no, no. I'm talking about their, like, fourth string guy. You know, uh, oh. Eno, Benjamin, Eno Benjamin, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Torres Achilles. Miller has that little right knee sprain. Of course, Kamara is going to miss the first three weeks. Uh, so I like the signing of Darrell Williams. He was he's a hard runner, but it would have been uh would have been interesting to see Lenny down there. But I don't know. You got Alvin Kamara and Leonard Fournette kind of in that because they were drafted the same year, weren't they? Yeah, and, and yeah. you could get Kareem Hunt for cheaper, and he's essentially I don't know, maybe a better. Where's Kareem player. Hunt going? I mean, I, mean, I, he I would took think a visit that, to the Colts, uh, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, and, with uh, one of their guys going down, and Jonathan Taylor, he's expected to be back uh, uh, this week uh, in fall camp, but you still know what you're going to get out of that offense. Well, if he's even going to play, I nice. mean, he's not too happy with old Jim Irsay. Uh, but I mean, if we had a crystal ball, we'd be millionaires because we'd be making every bet and we'd be great at fantasy <laughs> yep. football. Uh, but all we can do is speculate. So if you want to hear more of our speculations, hit the little subscribe button. I've got it down there on the bottom, and the little thing I added. You know, leave us a comment where you think Leonard Fournette's going to sign. I know we got a bunch of LSU guys in the chat. Melio, Linden, all y'all are in there. Let us know where you think old playoff Lenny signs and if he's going to win him another Super Bowl. Um, other big news that broke, the blind side. The beloved movie from our childhood with Sandra Bullock and Tim McGraw. Um, comes out today that Michael Orr is suing the – Tui family, is that right? Is that am I saying mm-hmm. that? We have yep. SJ Tui, Tyler's hero, the as a KFC uh, legends. <laughs> yes, the KFC legends. The uh, he's KFC suing connoisseurs. <laughs> he's suing them because he, apparently he didn't make any money from the movie. For one, they made all the money, which we knew, but we didn't yeah. know the rest of this. <laughs> yeah, they, they tricked him into signing. A, I think it's called a uh, conservatorship. Yeah, conservative. That's a hard word to say. Basically, what <laughs> Britney Spears' dad did to her. Um, and I, I mean, and they also never officially adopted him. My question is, why is it coming out now? It happened like 25 years ago. Well, I think he just found out it was a conservatorship instead of an adoption. They oh, told him just it was found an adoption. Out? Yeah. Oh, snap. Well, that's they told him it was an adoption this whole time. So he was all you know, happy about it. And mm-hmm. um, he always had a beef with the movie, but I don't think that was with the family. I think it was. With, well, that, that goes back to the NCAA. He can't profit. Yeah. 
Well, it would be different was, nowadays, you know. He could have gotten he paid was, the whole wait, time. He was in the NFL when the movie came out. Yeah. Right, but he couldn't profit off of like certain parts of it from when he was amateur and huh. but he always had a beef with the movie, but not with the family until yesterday. Yeah. I mean, that's uh talk about the ultimate con job. I mean, people are saying that Sandra Bullock should give back her Oscar. I don't know about all that. I mean, it's if he didn't even fault. know he was, wasn't adopted, <laughs> it's not she's not, she's not the real lady. She just went along with what the director was saying. Well, I mean, this is this is Twitter or X as we call it. So there's not the smartest people on there um, that, that are that are commenting this. But I saw that and I kind of chuckled. I was like, yeah, because Sandra Bullock was involved in the cover-up of Michael Orr not being I involved. saw the sequel be called Blindside 2. Blindsided. Yeah. <laughs> we all got blindsided. Yeah, we definitely all got blindsided. He definitely did too. So, uh, I don't know. Interesting uh, interesting news come out. I don't know how. I mean, the dude's in the NFL. He's got a lawyer, obviously. Probably a financial advisor. I don't know how he didn't. Look into this. Be like, hey, so eh, it's not the right. NFL yet. checks quit coming in. They started looking a little closer. Yeah, they got to get another source of income. They're like, yeah, we wanted to get that movie money. money, and then they're like, oh, here's another avenue. <laughs> well, I think he could probably write a book now and sell it. Uh, probably make more. The movie only made like three hundred million dollars, uh, according to what I read today. Which he can just release his version of it, and it'll be another Netflix Untold. You know, like oh, there, you oh, there we go. There's the next Untold right there. Yeah, I mean, we got blindsided was one. fake. How we were all dumb. <laughs> untold, blindsided. There you go, right there. Untold, reach out to us. We're available for uh, promotions and also parts in the movie. We'll be uh, witnesses. Of this. You can play SJ Tyler. You uh, looked like as a kid. Now you can just play grown up SJ. <laughs> grown, Michael grown Lord, just sign this piece of paper. Playing man. Madden and uh... eating Taco Bell on a regular. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, that news came out today, and I think it had the whole sports world shocked. Did he even I spend the night in a laundromat on the floor? <laughs> I don't know. It's all. It's. I mean, I did that as a kid to make myself tougher. Looking back on the movie, some of those were definitely sus. Like, you like, there's no way that man didn't know what a bed was. <laughs> uh, I don't. I'm sure it was dramatized. I mean, it was still a phenomenal movie. <laughs> yeah, I, it was. It's a touching movie. Coach O's in it. Um, a lot of saw, are yeah, in but it. that's the problem. Coach O is. The coach at Ole Miss. He honestly would have went, went to down. LSU if it wasn't for all this. Because without the with the Tuies, with all their money, he was going to go go to LSU if, as long as Nick Saban left. When whenever Nick Saban left to coach the Miami Dolphins, that was all she wrote uh, for Michael Orr, and he went to, to Ole Miss. Yeah. He got influenced. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a little bit of tampering going on there. That's the Joe so paying the Tuies and KFC. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't Check know the KFC the part. What is the KFC part? Do they own Because KFC? they owned all the KFCs in Memphis. Yeah. Oh, okay. And Taco Bells. And yeah, Pizza Taco Huts. Bell. They like Taco Bell every night in that movie. Well, hey, they got they had to get a big and bulky to play offensive line, man. He's got to be a big guy. So uh but yeah, that was I mean, that was other NFL news. We'll get to that Johnny Menzel uh until documentary in a little bit when we get to the college football, but um other thing, NFL preseason, week one's in the books. Who impressed you? Who didn't impress you? Uh, Trey Lance. Um, and, and what team's for real this year? Wait, what do you think? Uh, I think a team that people are kind of sleeping on, to me at this point, we just talked about them, the New England Patriots. I think they're not ready to give up this division. I think they'll be better um, than they were last year, but I'm not ready to pick them as a sleeper team. Honestly, I'm going to stay – here in Louisiana and say the Saints. I mean, I'm, I just think I'm they have an you. easy path. Too. And I think I mean Tyler's got the hat on. Yeah, I mean that's why I wore it. <laughs> I don't know how they work the salary cap, but they have the most complete offense Dude, the in salary the division. Cap so. Is fake money. It's not real. <laughs> it's I, like every year they're in depth and they put Mickey Loomis uh, in the front office finds a way every year to it's get monopoly under. money. You just push it down the yeah. road like your tax. Yeah, you pass go, you collect your $200 and you go, put, you know, pick another player like, ooh, Darrell Williams. Come on. Yeah. I haven't paid taxes in three years. You just keep pushing it down the road. Oh, you haven't. Okay. No, okay. That's, that's a joke. Here comes the government. Our show's going to get shut down. Yeah, if you're listening, that's a joke. I pay We're my taxes every year. <laughs> I know I pay my taxes because they're hitting me hard. Uh, but no, the Saints, I think, I mean, Derek Carr played for one drive, so I'm not saying he's going to win the MVP, but he was efficient. He was commanding. They drove right down the field. They were throwing screen plays. Go routes. Uh, talk about Jameis Winston playing the majority of the game. He looked really good. Um, A.T. Perry, uh, good draft pick there. And, I mean, Kamara just – he only ran the ball twice, but he had that explosion 
that he's yeah, been missing. He said the explosion that he didn't really have last season. Yeah. So and the defense, I mean, with the starters in there, they were up 17-0 against the Chiefs. And then I was like, ah, oh, this game's over. I'm going to the gym. <laughs> I get in my truck after leaving the gym. Game alert. 24-23. And I'm like, what? We were up 17 to nothing before halftime. And I was Beauty like, oh, well, like, yeah, I was like, it's the four string starters, whatever, no big deal. And then I saw um, they put in the cat that they grabbed. Oh, I can't remember his name. Their kicker uh, kicked the game winning field goal. His time expired. He got questioned before he came <laughs> into the stadium. Um, they didn't believe it was him. Uh, he, he had to like convince the security guard to let him onto the field. And then when he was leaving the field, they thought he was a fan celebrating. So, uh, <laughs> I think he made his presence known, but it's going to be a while before it takes over Will Lutz's job. I mean, Tyler, do we are we on the Saints bandwagon to win the Super Bowl this year? Uh, I think hold the brakes on Super Bowl. I did have them winning 11 wins uh, because of the schedule. I think that it's really set up nicely. And, you know, the first drive of offense, I mean, that was way better than what we saw last season. Yeah, Only it was a points per game on right offense. Field. Derek Carr looked cool, calm, and collected. You already saw his connection with Javon Johnson, you know, Alvin Kamara. Looked pretty good. We saw Michael Thomas uh, hauling a catch. Uh, that's definitely going to be good news if, if he can stay on the field. Uh, and then we saw Olave and then A.T. Perry. I mean, that was just an absolute steal. Like, how did yeah. everyone else let him fall to that? But I think that my preseason takeaway in week number one was a struggle. Uh, pretty much all the rookie quarterbacks. You know, C.J. Stroud on his first Welcome possession. Welcome to the league, rookie. He threw interception. Uh, Anthony Richardson on his first possession. He also threw interception. Then Bryce Young uh, – didn't really look too hot because the Panthers' offensive line, you know, decided not to block. They are just a garbage offensive line. That's definitely going to be an issue if you're picking the Panthers to win this division. And then uh, we saw Will Levis. I, I think that Will Levis uh, was pretty good. And then we saw, also saw Stetson Bennett. I think that, you know, he threw a touchdown. If Matthew Stafford ever goes down with an injury, I think that Stetson Bennett uh, could definitely uh, come in and, and really be a valuable option. I'm not saying that. The Rams are going to be all that great of a team, uh, but I definitely think he can be a viable uh, quarterback too out there in Los Angeles. I mean, Stetson Stetson Bennett is basically Matt Stafford 2.0, if we're being honest. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the Saints' tight end room. You mentioned Jawan Johnson. I think Jawan's an option for a late-round draft pick because um, you already saw that chemistry. Yeah, they'd sign Foster Moreau, but, I mean, I, I – He's coming back from cancer. I mean, I can't imagine he's going to play too, too much or have too big of an impact. Jimmy Graham, one of those feel-good guys. You know, the stadium went crazy when he had that catch, but it's uh, he's older. You know, you throw him in the in the red zone maybe once or twice a game, try to get him, get him, a, get him a catch. And, of course, Taysom Hill, but Taysom Hill's Taysom Hill. I mean, you can't rely on him to be your tight end. So, I think Jawan Johnson, he keeps that – that uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Help me out here. It starts with a X-factor. C. Factor. <laughs> uh, no, he keeps building that relationship, not a C and R. Rapport. Relationship. Yes, rapport Confidence. with Derek Carr. <laughs> Confidence and rapport with Derek Carr. I think he's gonna be. It's gonna be a, an issue for opposing defenses. Uh, so uh, we got you know rookie quarterback struggled. Welcome, like I said, welcome to the NFL. Did Will Levis Levis play this weekend? He did. How do you do? I think he played pretty well. Uh, he uh, played behind uh, Malik Willis. So I think that Malik Willis is on life support uh, in, in Tennessee. It just feels like Ryan Tannehill is going to start it off the season. Uh, I think that he's probably got like one or two more years in him uh, in Tennessee. I think that uh, the Titans are, are going to roll with Will Levis. I think that Will Levis, out of all the rookie quarterbacks, I think that he looked uh, pretty good outside, you know, of, of Stetson Bennett, like I've already mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Um... That was actually kind of surprising to see. And like you said, Mal- that the year that Malik Willis was drafted, um, Trey Lance, those are kind of like looking to be like bust. Now we haven't seen him play a ton, but I don't I don't want to, you know, claim it too early. But uh, let's get over to our fantasy football corner with our fantasy football expert Tyler. We got uh we got a little something different this week. So uh he's gotta shuffle his rankings. Yeah, I'll put them on the screen. Tyler, let's, well, let's take it away. Yeah, so uh, another week, another dollar as we got uh, the fantasy football corner. Just a few more weeks left uh, in this preseason edition, and then we'll get into the regular season edition where we'll have our annual starts and sit This week, it's the best picks in each round 
of fantasy football. So we're going to go round one through 16. I'm going to go in depth of more of the round one through nine, and then we'll just list off rounds 10 through 16. So I know that you're already going to say Tyree Kill, the best pick in first round. I'm going to, there's multiple factors. We're going for upside and value. I'm, we know that Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, what they're going to do. They're the best wide receivers in that. We know what CMC is going to do. We know what Austin Eckler is going to do. I think that Tyree Kill is going to be one of those wide receivers that is going to be right up there with Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Tyree Kill, even with a banged up Tua Tungvaloa, just look at his stats last year, 1,700 yards. I would not be shocked if Tyree Kill gets 2,000 yards uh, with a healthy Tua. You know, Tua, he's been doing – a lot of training uh, in the offseason to get his body right. He's been doing jujitsu in the offseason to help learn him. Learn how to get you know, tackled. Yeah, learn, learn how, how to, to get tackled and, and go down. You know, with I think that Tua, we're going to see a fully healthy Tua. I think that he's definitely motivated to stay healthy. I think that this Miami Dolphins team is just going ready to explode. I think that all the hype is surrounding the Jets, but I think that this Dolphins offense is going to be legit. I think that Tyree Kill, the the way that he's going right now, he's going at like pick five right now. I know that another wide receiver that we're looking at also is Cooper Cup, uh, but Cooper Cup, you know, with his injuries, with a really bad team, I'm just putting Tyree Kill ahead of Cooper Cup uh, right now. So I think that uh, Tyree Kill, with the value that he has, with the elite upside, the elite level speed that he has, I mean, he is just still got a lot left in him. So Tyreek Hill is my best pick in round number one. So let's go on now to round number two. This is where the draft really the starts. Chubby. And we go from wide receiver position to the running back position. Nick Chubb uh, moved up in my rankings. If you two boys uh, got my cheat sheet, Nick Chubb yes, was outside of my top five. He's now moved in to the number five spot o- over Tony Pollard. I just think that they're going to just feed Nick Chubb over and over and over again. Like I mentioned on last week's episode, uh, Jerome Ford is their running back number two. Kareem Hunt is no longer there. I do think that Jerome Ford uh, will get involved in this one, but not as heavily as Kareem Hunt. I don't think that Jerome Ford is as talented as a running back as we saw of Kareem Hunt. And Nick Chubb is, like I mentioned, he is just Mr. Consistent in fantasy football. And looking at round two, especially if you picked a wide receiver at the start, if you get you know, one of the elite wide receivers was either Jefferson and Chase and get Nick Chubb. That is probably the best start that you can ask for in fantasy football. So I think that Nick Chubb, especially when you're playing in a PPR format, I think that he is one of those guys, if you look at his stats, uh, he was really the only one of the running backs last year to get five yards uh, per carry. So he it can just excel at running the football and also catching the football. So I think that Nick Chubb uh, is an exceptional pick in round number two. I think he's worthy of a round one pick. If you pick Nick Chubb in round one at the back end, definitely wouldn't say anything wrong to you. Uh, but if he slides down to round number two, this is an exceptional value for a player like Nick Chubb. Let's a go on now. Still not a deal. Yeah, still not a deal. Uh, round three, uh, we do have some news. Uh, uh, Chris Olave is now in round number three, and you also have a lot of talent. You also got Tony Pollard in this round, A.J. Brown in this round, D.K. Metcalf. So round three is your money round. This is where you're probably going to get a really good player, either a running back or wide receiver. But I'm going to go with Amon Ross St. Brown. This is a guy that I'm just all in on. I think that this Lions offense uh, is ready to contend in the NFC North. It just feels like their year. Amon Ra really showed his talent uh, last year. As you saw, only six touchdowns. I know that he's projected only 5.7. Take the over. I think that he's going to crush that over with these. Uh, Jared Goff, he's going to be looking to them, especially with Jamison Williams being out for the first uh, six games uh, of the season. It just feel like Amon Ra's offense. There's really no one to contend with his target shares, you know, you have Jameer Gibbs uh, coming out of the backfield along with David Montgomery. Those are probably the only two guys that I'm really worried on of taking his target. So I think that it's going to be the Amon Ross show. If you want a guy that it's really going to start off the season hot, especially with Jameson Williams suspended for the first half of the season, I think Amon Ross is going to get off to a hot start and he's going to continue that all throughout the 2023 season. I expect him to be in the top five race of the wide receiver position this season. Let's go on now to round number four. Let's get a tight end in this one. Uh, you know, we Marky want Mark. to talk like about it. the running backs in the wide receivers all the time. But if you can't get Travis Kelsey, I think the next, next best thing uh, for fantasy managers is Mark Andrews. They're just something telling me that the Baltimore Ravens offense is definitely 
ready to take a leap of faith up. Last year was just a lot of injuries. Uh, Lamar Jackson was out for most of the season. The wide receivers, uh, Rashad Bateman was out. Uh, Mark Andrews, I don't really want to look at his stats uh, from last year. Uh, he was hurt. He was hurt a lot. He had to I deal mean, with the bad offense. There was a lot of backups uh, involved. The Ravens, I think, are really going to contend with the Bengals. I think that everybody's going to be picking the Bengals uh, to win this division. But I think that the Ravens and this offense is just ready to contend in this division. Uh, like I mentioned, there's not really two really good elite tight ends. It, it just feels like Kelsey is up there on tier number one. And then Mark Andrews is in by himself uh, with tier number two. So if you're trying to get that elite tight end uh, before you exit your draft, uh, I think that and you're in round four. I think that the value is there. I've been seeing Mark Andrews go even early as round number three. Uh, but I think that if he slides down to round number four, Mark Andrews uh, would definitely be worth uh, the draft capital in round number four. Let's go on out to round number five. And this is a guy I've been really – I think that all the hype uh, early in the season, I know that in July I talked up about B. John Robinson – I'm starting to get uh, really into Jameer Gibbs. I think that he is becoming one of my favorite uh, rookie running backs to draft. I know that everyone's going to be bringing up David Montgomery. I think that he would be, definitely be a solid, valuable option coming off of your bench. But the Lions love Jameer Gibbs. They didn't take Jameer Gibbs at pick number 12 to not use him heavily. If you saw Jameer Gibbs both at Georgia Tech and Alabama, he is an elite pass catching back. And if you want a comparison – it just feels like Alvin Kamara all over again. I think that he's going to have an Alvin Kamara rookie-esque season. Like I said, I'm all in on this Lions offense. So if Amon Ra already being on this list, Jameer Gibbs is not too far ahead of him. I would not be shocked if Jameer Gibbs finishes as a top 20 fantasy running back. I definitely think this is a steal in round number five. I know that rookies, I'm tired of the question mark like, oh, I haven't seen him on the field. I'm not going to take him. Who cares? Like you want upside in round number five. And later on, Jameer Gibbs is going to give you that in this offense and his ability, especially in PPR. He's going to be a PPR machine as a running back. Let's go on now to round number six, a wide receiver that I'm also. Tyler, uh, why, now, why didn't he play in 2022? Can you, can, oh, in case like, anybody gambling. didn't know. He, he was gambling <laughs> like uh, we sometimes do in fantasy football and all of this, uh, but Obviously, like he was you, a trailblazer. Everybody <laughs> else followed suit. Yeah, like you mentioned, he did not play in 2022. The last time we saw him on the football field uh, was about two years ago with the Atlanta Falcons, uh, and he was definitely one of the top fantasy wide receivers in the game. I think that he's going into an offense uh, that showed his capability in in last season. I think that Calvin Ridley. We saw him in training camp, and we also saw him uh, a couple of plays uh, in week number one. Uh, I, I think that Calvin really is going to be the wide receiver one. Christian Kirk is going to be right up there along him, too. I think that Kirk would definitely be a late value for the Jaguars. But this Jaguars offense, I think with Trevor Lawrence, he's going to continue to take a, a leap up every year. So I think that Calvin really, he's got some elite traits that you want in the wide receiver position. To get him in round number six, I mean – if you're playing in a two-flex league, if you haven't have Calvin Ridley as a flex, that's honestly a cheat code, especially if you pair him up with one of your elite wide receivers that you have. So I think that Calvin Ridley, I think that, yes, there's going to be a little bit of rust, uh, but I'm not really seeing it throughout training camp, throughout his preseason action. I think that Calvin Ridley, not really much, much of a risk here in round number six. So let's go on now to round number seven. We're going to go with Miles Sanders. I think that Miles Sanders, it, you know, in Philadelphia, Philadelphia didn't really know how to use Miles Sanders. I think now that he's going to be the feature back in Carolina, there is Shuba Hubbard uh, behind him, but that, that's not really too much of a worry. I think that Miles Sanders last year, I think he had a phenomenal 2022 campaign, 11 touchdowns, a real 180 from the 2021 season where he had a goose egg of touchdowns. Uh, so I think that wouldn't surprise me if he did that again. Carolina is going to be one of those teams that feels like is going to run the football, especially with a rookie uh, quarterback uh, with Bryce Young uh, getting some reps in. Uh, so I feel like Carolina, it, with Frank Wright uh, being there, we saw Frank Wright, uh, what he did with Jonathan Taylor in his rookie season. I feel like Miles Sanders is going to use a pretty uh, comparison lead than what Jonathan Taylor did with the Indianapolis Colts. So let's go on now to round number eight. Going to go with Chris Godwin. Uh, you know, we're talking about the Kent, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who obviously want to talk about the quarterback situation is going to be Baker Mayfield, is going to be Kyle Trask. 
if you want any of the Buccaneers wide receiver, I'm going to take Chris Godwin over Mike Evans. It feels like Mike Evans uh, is on the way down, uh, you know, entering his age 30 season. Chris Godwin just feels like, you know, with only three touchdowns, I mean, Tom Brady had one of his worst years, if not the worst year of his career in 2022. So the quarterback play wasn't that great. I ultimately do think that Baker Mayfield will get the nod at the quarterback one position. Uh, so I think that if you're this late, Chris Godwin, he's shown consistent. If he's not going to get you touchdowns, he will give you that reception uh, points uh, in PPR. Uh, but I do think that he will uh, you know, improve that three touchdowns. So I'll say that he gets five touchdowns uh, this season. Let's go on now to round number nine. Let's go with James Cook, uh, running backs uh, in the AFC East has been a talk of the town. I think that James Cook, uh, you saw his stats. He didn't really see the field. It was Devin Singletary's backfield. Devin Singletary is now with the Texans. Uh, I think that uh, James Cook, uh, I have saw him uh, in training camp as well. I have been very impressed. It feels like James Cook is ready to be a three-down back uh, for a really good offense. Uh, James Cook is going to be unleashed uh, by the Buffalo Bills. So that's more the in-depth. Let's go on now to listing off some players. Let's go so on now to – before we jump into that one, I, I do want to yeah. know James Cook. His middle name is Dalvin, just like his brother. So you have James Dalvin Cook and Dalvin James Cook. They'll be playing now. In the so, same division. Yes. In the same uh, division. A bit there. All right. Let's, all right, go, let's go on to rounds 10 through 13. Uh, as you can see, all wide receivers. Uh, Tyler Lockett, wide receiver, the Seattle Seahawks. I think that, you know, DK Metcalf uh, is a solid wide receiver. They did add Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, but I think that Ty Lockett, you know, in round 10 this late, I mean, he's been Mr. Consistent. I feel like every year that people try to doubt him, he's just putting it on. I think that with the quarterback of Gina, he's really going to help it out. Round 11, let's go with Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, Patriots wide receiver. If you've seen the Patriots wide receiver depth chart, that ain't much. Juju is pretty much it. Mac Jones, I think that he's going to look to Juju pretty consistently. So I think that Juju being a wide receiver one this late, uh, I, I would definitely take him. There's really no competition, especially in the PPR league. Juju is going to get guaranteed catches every single week. Round number 12 is Jahan Dotson. I think that he's due for a breakout, uh, you know, right up there with the Washington Commanders. I think that Sam Howell, like I mentioned, will be the quarterback. John Dotson already caught a touchdown in, in preseason. Sam Howell is already looking towards him. So I think that Howell, and Dotson already had that connection that you're looking for. Round number 13, Jordan Addison. I am all in also on Jordan Addison. I think that Addison, along with Justin Jefferson, that's really going to be a nice compliment. Don't get me wrong, Jay Jettis is going to be the wide receiver one. There's, if you're going to pick Justin Jefferson, don't even worry about Jordan Addison. Uh, but I do think that Jordan Addison uh, will definitely be the wide receiver too in Minnesota. And I think that the rookies, uh, I'm all in on the rookie wide receivers, Jordan Addison in round number 13. Let's go on now to the back end. Let's go with Tyler Higby in round number 14. Like I mentioned, outside of Cooper Cup, there really isn't anybody outside of him other than Tyler Higby. And Matthew Stafford also loves to throw it to the tight end. So if you're looking for a late flyer at the tight end, if you haven't, you know, if you missed out on one of the top tight ends, I think that even having Tyler Higby as your primary tight end or coming off of the bench, uh, that would definitely be a solid option. Round 15, Geno Smith. If you have him as your backup quarterback, that is definitely fine. If you have him as your starter, a little bit risky, but honestly, I love it. I think that Geno Smith, we saw what he could do last season, and they improved on the offensive side of the ball too. Adding JSN to that offense is going to be lethal. So I think that Geno Smith, he was uh, really consistent last year, uh, so I would not be, uh, you know, shocked if somebody has him starting in their fantasy football leagues this year. I mean, if you get him at round 15, that's yeah. a steal as a starting quarterback. A if it's All right, round 16, could have gone a, a whole lot of different ways here. You know, round 15, 16, I think that primarily will be for kickers, the defenses uh, in our leagues. But if you're still looking for a late flyer, I think that you're going to go with Nico Collins of the Houston Texans. You know, Brandon Cooks is no longer there. They added Dalton Schultz. Uh, Nico Collins just feels like he's going to be the wide receiver one. And we'll definitely be interested to see. I think it's going to be Davis Mills to start the season. Uh, but I think that Nico Collins, you also went with Quentin Johnson, the rookie uh, for the Chargers. I think that he could also be a viable option. So that is the best pick in every round. I'll leave the floor open to y'all what y'all thought of the 16 players that were mentioned. 
I liked uh, Jameer Gibbs where you had him. I mean, he's a guy that's not a lot of people. I think you had him at round five. It's a little yep. bit of a risk, but you got you to gotta swing for the fences. Um, and then Calvin Ridley, I think, is a guy that people are going to forget about, but I was watching their preseason game. The dude's blazing fast. I mean, he's going to run past run yeah. corners left and His right. His separation is just elite. Yeah, so you get you get him. I mean, Taylor Lawrence, uh, or Trevor Lawrence, I'm sorry, um, is finally – it's like he feels comfortable in that offense, and I think we're going to see the Cle- the Clemson Trevor Lawrence, not the Jaguars Trevor Lawrence we've seen the past couple of years. Wait, are you still picking Justin <laughs> Jefferson number one? I think you got to take Tyreek Hill, <laughs> or, or I mean, possibly Mike Mark Andrews or Nick Chubb. You keep forgetting Tyreek. that I gave you Justin Jefferson for free his rookie year. Um, not my fault. Way back when, so you've already had your your luck with him. Uh, no, I like these Tyler a lot. I think there's some guys, um, that you didn't list that I think could also benefit like Christian Kirk. I think, you know, if he falls to around seven, I like him just as much as Ridley, um, to some extent, because I think he just gets a lot of targets and, um, and he played last year. So, yeah. So I think he, he's going to be pretty good and a really good offense. I, you know, for years I've gone off of volume. When I picked fantasy teams and last year, I really tried to make the switch to just value and being in a good offense. So I'm not afraid of timeshares. I'm not afraid of guys that are wide receiver number twos on their team, uh, just because if the offense is good, they're going to get their opportunities, right? And and I think that goes for running backs too. I mean, um, nobody's scared to take T. Higgins or Jalen Waddle, but now people are going to be scared to take Brees Hall and, and Ramondre Stevenson and guys yeah, like I mean, that. So. With all the running back free agency markets um, and the holdouts and things of that that such, I, I don't think I'm touching a running back until like round four or five. I think I'm just going three straight wide receivers and then rocking them. Yeah, you want to get an out for wide receiver or one of the few bell cows. <laughs> yeah, so uh, unless somebody falls in my lap. But that was our fantasy football corner. Tyler's going to cook up something for us next week. What will it be? You'll have to. We're going to be doing out. a mock draft next. Oh, week, boys. well, you gave away the answer, Tyler. Yeah, <laughs> we had the people. <laughs> oh, I got it. I didn't know you were going to do that. All right. All right. We'll, we'll do a mock draft. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. Um, speaking of mock drafts, we got who got that dog in it? Where we draft our dog of the week each week. <laughs> that transition was pretty good, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, well, that one it was something. <laughs> yeah, so dog of the week in the notes it said Wade's got a good one. So Wade, blow us away. What do you got? All right. Well, I probably set this up for failure by hyping it up so much, but I was just ecstatic watching uh baseball yesterday while folding laundry. I threw on a random game uh to pass time. It was the Baltimore Orioles versus the Seattle Mariners. And um Baltimore Orioles center fielder Cedric Mullins, he was supposed to get a Sunday off. Well, they brought him in as a defensive replacement in the eighth inning. And um, in the ninth inning, Seattle had a chance to hit a game-tying home run, and Cedric Mullins went airborne over the wall to rob um, the Mariners of the game-tying home run. Uh, the very next batter says, no, thank you. I'll take, uh, I'll take the spotlight and hits a game-tying home run. So Cedric Mullins' efforts all for nothing, right? Well, then he comes up to lead off the bottom or the top of the 10th in the next frame and Jack's a two run home run to give the Orioles a go ahead lead. So he made quick work and just said, I'll take over the game in my two innings of work. I mean, he came off the bench and uh, saved the game and then won the game. So I think that's got to be ready. You never know when you'll get your number called dog of the week. All right. Tyler, what you got? Well, I'm going to pick somebody out of this 21-3 game uh, that happened this past weekend. Uh, rookie, uh, it yeah. wasn't a rookie debut. It was a debut for the Braves. Nicky Lopez, a stat that Shohei Otani wished that he had. He went four for six, had a two-run blast, even though it was off a position player. And then <laughs> since they were up so big, uh, Nicky Lopez uh, came in and pitched the ninth inning, and he shut down the Mets, the hapless Mets that won't even make the playoffs. Boo-hoo. Yeah, so Nicky Lopez of the Atlanta Braves got that dog in him. What's Did happening in New York, man? I mean, the Mets and the Yankees. If Fire I saw that, where like the Yankees, all that money had, to just be last. Yeah, 
Uh, I think I don't remember which conference it was paired up with, but the Yankees' record would have been first in that opposite conference. <laughs> um, so I mean, that's that's just the game of baseball. But yeah, that's uh, that's pretty bad for both of them. Um, my dog of the week, uh, rookie wide receiver A.T. Perry of the New Orleans Saints in his first preseason NFL game. I know it's the preseason. Um, he had an acrobatic catch for a touchdown, had a, had a stat line of six catches, 70 yards, one touchdown. I mean, that we're, we're looking at 15 fantasy points right there, maybe there 16. So, yeah. I mean, that's round 16. Grab all A.T. Perry on there and in the late <laughs> rounds and uh, throw them in. So, Dog of the Week, let us know in the comments uh, who your Dog of the Week is. And of course, vote on that Twitter poll over at Sports Scramble 4. Uh, let's get on over to some college football. I want to start with the Johnny Manziel Untold documentary. Now, Wade hasn't seen it. Uh, not really any spoilers because we lived it. We were uh, <laughs> we were uh, 18 years old or 16 years old. I think it was in 2014 um, when, it, when he was playing college ball. Interesting stuff. I mean... We knew his partying, his playboy-like style, his alcohol issues eventually led to him, you know, being cut from the Cleveland Browns. Uh, but he doesn't seem to really, you know, you would think the story would have ended up with him being sober, right? Nah, the dude still plays golf every day, parties it up. I mean, it's a little low-key, but people were like, oh, it changed my perspective of him. I, you know, I used to like him. Now I don't like him, blah, blah, blah. It didn't really change mine. I was like, he was a partier before, he's a partier now. Now he's just got a shit ton of money and he's doing what he likes. So kudos to him. But I want to talk about journalism. Tyler, you're a journalist. Uh, journalism back in 2014, nobody fact-checked. You got Manti Teo out here with a fake girlfriend and Johnny Manziel telling the media that his parents had <laughs> oil money. I was the top two guys with it. be a guy who's drunk off his butt all the time. And one <laughs> as a as a mysterious girlfriend. That's a fake girlfriend. Can we make I mean, sure I that uh revote and let the Kansas State quarterback, I forgot his name, but let the Kansas State quarterback. No, but he had a weird story Klein. too. Can we fact check that Colin Klein didn't have his first kiss till his wedding? <laughs> well, I mean it's <laughs> I, I don't mean, know. This, you back then they weren't fact checking nothing. And is Marcus Mariota really from Hawaii? Who knows? I mean, it's as much as Manti Teo's girlfriend is from Hawaii. Who I mean, the world may never know, but it's crazy that nowadays they go back and find somebody's deleted tweets from 2008 and get them, you know, kicked off the team. But they didn't know that Johnny Manziel was selling autographs for millions of dollars. Oh no, his family's got oil money. Like, oh, <laughs> That's come just on, a Texas man. Story. Texas makeup story. I was near old Curville. There's nothing else to do there but play football. Um, so, I mean, if you haven't watched it, I definitely recommend it. It's a great documentary. I love those untold documentaries. Um, got one coming up. The Florida yeah. One. Is the Florida one the one coming up? I got that notification. I think it's like the end of August that it's going to be released. Uh, I'm scrolling through my phone here. I got a Netflix notification. I didn't even know I got Netflix notifications, but apparently that's a thing. Let me, uh, let me see if I can find it. I know they got the Florida one coming up, but there was one more that was pretty interesting. Um, my I was gonna resubscribe to Netflix for the Florida documentary. We finally got booted off the family plan with I the know, new uh, on it. Hall of Shame. <laughs> oh, this is the um. What is this? Ex examine one of sports' biggest steroid scandals. The interviews with the head of Baltimore. Oh, this is the no. This is the baseball with Barry Bonds. Oh. The steroid. Uh, well, they show. could have put a lot of guys on that one. Just make a mega episode, and you know, you got McGuire, you got I Barry think Bonds, McGuire, you got Tatis. I think they're all on it, uh, but I think Bonds is like actually giving an interview. Yeah, so um, that comes out. Shoot, I just closed Netflix. Uh, I think like next Tuesday or something. Um, all right, but the Florida one, I'm actually really excited docket. for. I wish that Johnny Manziel one was like a two or three parter. Yeah. I feel like it definitely could have been. I feel like there was so much more of that story. I feel like I like started and then all of a sudden before you it was know over. it was over. Like the Manti Tail one was a two-parter and it ends on like a cliffhanger. You're like, what? And then you watch watch the next part. It's crazy. So uh, I like I, I like the Untold documentary. So we're doing something special over there at Netflix, even though they're charging us out, out the yin-yang $16.99 to have a family plan. Come on, man. Um, we we gotta start signing autographs, guys. Uh, so we got some schools 
switch it to the ACC, it's some schools that aren't happy about it. Cal at Stanford want to go over to the ACC, and four schools are like, no, 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 we don't like that. Who are those four schools? Trivia time. Florida State's got to be one of them. Clemson's probably the second one, and I don't the know. Ones that make money. Wait yeah, the ones it. who make money. In North football. Carolina. <laughs> North Carolina and Miami, probably. That's probably, probably exactly the who it is. I mean, nobody wants to fly across the country. They don't want to be Oregon flying. I mean, what are they going to bring to the table, Cal and Stanford? Definitely not that. They They're going to bring more in the academics, more in the athletics. I think they just kind of fit the uh, the goals and the academics of what the ACC offers. But I, I saw something interesting. I think Stanford and Cal would be better off recruiting the service academies to go in on a conference with uh, the service academies, Stanford, Cal, and Notre Dame, and they all you. could just – Play each other and the Mountain West select last power week. games. Put them too in the Mountain West. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to think it's not just football, right? You, you Stanford just uh, made it to Omaha in baseball, so uh, I mean, and of course they have a fun. I think they have a pretty good softball team, golf. Uh, they got it going on. Cal beats me. Uh, well, the ACC plays all the secondary sports really well, similar yeah. to how Stanford and Cal are. You know, probably amongst the NCAA's leaders and trophies. I mean, it's water polo and field hockey and stuff like that. But the ACC schools also are pretty competitive in that realm. But it, it's got to be hard for uh, athletes that aren't football players because they're expected if you're to play multiple times a week. That's what. Yeah, like, during the week they play weekday games and they're chasing degrees school. that. Girls, you know, they probably girls. will have to use more so in their life because there's not a professional option for their sport. That is true. I mean, it, it's this conference realignment thing. I mean, they had it right from the get-go. Um, but I, it doesn't make sense when they – the Big Ten's pulling freaking Oregon and USC. Like, it makes zero sense. The conferences should be geographical. It's all about money now. They should just go back to being geographical. That's my two cents, my soapbox. Um, conferences leading the AP top 25 poll that just came out. No surprise the SEC's up there. And then, of course, you got you got Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, LSU. Really no different than what we read last week uh, with the preseason, like, NAPCA poll. I don't even know who was that was. Poll. Was it the coaches poll? They had a weird, yeah. they had a weird This is now, like, the official poll. But the big news, yeah. Alabama number four. That's motivation that nobody wants them to have. Yeah. Uh, and then USC 6, Penn State 7, Florida State 8, Clemson 9, Washington 10. So we got a uh, matchup. LSU, Florida State. And move Washington up. Yeah. Um, and then you go Texas 11, Tennessee 12, Notre Dame 13, Utah 14, Oregon 15. Um, Texas at 11 feels a little high. But yeah. I guess you got to throw them in there somewhere. And, of course, Notre Dame just – just throw them in the middle. They're not in a conference. Let them, let them be in the top 25. Um, Kate, uh, Kent State at 16, TCU 17, Oregon State at 18. Am I reading the baseball preseason top 25? Uh, Wisconsin <laughs> at 19 and Oklahoma at 20. Oklahoma at 20? I know they're expected to have a good year this year, but, I mean, they won four games last year. All about the name in the preseason. Yeah. They preseason more name than I mean, just look at who's number twenty-five, Iowa. What have they done in the past couple of years? I thought that was top twenty-five spot. Like what the heck? I'd rather put like you know South Carolina or Texas Tech over them. All right, North Carolina twenty-one, Ole Miss twenty-two, A and M twenty-three, um, Tulane twenty-four, and Iowa twenty-five. I'm glad you mentioned that because I thought that was Southern Miss's logo. No, that would make more sense than Iowa. Well, look, they could just release the polls starting whenever they do the uh, college football yeah. playoff committee yeah, poll. Have, That's what I've been things. saying this whole time. The AP poll doesn't – it doesn't even matter. The AP poll doesn't matter. The only matter – the poll that matters is the college football playoff poll. Yeah, I mean, it's just something to talk about. Put the little number next to the name. Um, they got a hype college the game Exactly. I mean, for baseball, the Mets and the Padres were supposed to win 110 games. So, <laughs> look at them now. It's well, across the board. Tell me, tell me what sounds better: Sunday night matchup between LSU and Florida State, or Sunday, Sunday, Sunday night matchup between two top ten teams, number eight, number five. Oh, one hundred percent. That's why they're both the LSU Tigers in Orlando. Oh yeah, I mean, well, I get the ranking of it. I I just feel like some of these teams just don't belong. 
Hey, ABC, if you're looking for somebody to uh, pre preview the game, a little intro voice, I'm available. Uh, I work on commission, so just, just let me know. Uh, other college football news. Uh, Iowa, who's ranked number 25, uh, he should just be happy with it. Their coach is unhappy that the players are betting on Iowa games. Uh, I'd be pretty pissed too, but the bets aren't a lot of money. But the fact that they're betting on their own games is a little sus. I mean, you had the kicker that was betting, uh, you know, the over or the under, and he missed the game-winning field goal, and it, the under hits. Got to watch out for that one. But then you had the guy, I don't remember his name, Wade, you brought it up, makes his first career college touchdown to hit the over, and he took the under. So it's it's like he shot himself in the foot, but he's playing for the good of the game. So that's good to see. Um and then we don't really have a conference preview, so we're going to preview the group of five. And don't worry, we're not getting into like 65 teams. We're each picking a team that we like um, and telling you what to look out for. So, Tyler, who's your team? Yeah, I kind of wanted to pick somebody from the Sun Belt. I think that the Sun Belt, uh, if you look at all the group of five conferences, uh, the, the Sun Belt just feels stacked. I think that, you know, Southern Miss is going to be better. Troy is probably the team to beat. You got South Alabama in there. Uh, but I'm going to go with the Roadrunners of UTSA just because Conference USA, right, if you look from me. If you looked at that conference, that conference is freaking garbage. I mean, the Conference USA feels like the next conference uh, to be gone. There's going to be some teams uh, in the next coming years that are going to be moving on to the American and the American. It's going to turn into uh, the next uh, mega conference. Uh, but really, the only negative that I see on UTSA schedule is some of the opponents they got to face. They got to go on the road to Houston, on the road to Tennessee, and on the road to Tulane. I, I, look at that. I, I, see, I probably see one and two in there. Uh, they probably beat Houston. I'm just not really buying Houston. I They probably lose to Tennessee. They probably lose to Tulane, but I could see an upset there. That's probably going to be like the first one to 60, it feels like, with those two offenses. Uh, but yeah. I think that the the conference you would say is going to be UTSA's uh, to lose. I think that they either finish 11-1 and and 10-2 and with an experienced quarterback with Frank Harris. Uh, they've just been really consistent the past couple of years. You know, their head coach uh, has done a phenomenal job. Uh, their defense – also does well too. Uh, so I, it feels like it's going to be between Tulane and UTSA. And whenever those two teams uh, meet up, the winner of that could definitely uh, be in the New Year's Six Bowl discussion again. Yeah. So I see, I like that. I like that. I mean, mine is Tulane. I'll go ahead and get into it because I see Wade ferociously <laughs> typing, trying to find his team. The brains, the <laughs> wheels in the, in the brain are clicking. Um, I like Tulane. I like him at number 24 to start of the season. I think they probably don't move much from that. They got old not, to start. Yeah, I'm not buying the hype that Twitter accounts like Big Game Boomer are saying that Tulane will be the number one team in the state of Louisiana. Are you high? Like, come on. Watch man. out for South Alabama week one, Tulane. Yeah, I mean, you got you said they play Ole Miss. Um, yep. They at take home, on though. South Alabama. They play Southern Miss in Hattiesburg. So I'm not saying they're going undefeated, but I'm saying they're a group of five team that'll finish in the top 25 i think michael pratt uh he had a great year last year 27 touchdowns 10 on the on the ground he's coming back he's got unfinished business he wants to really vault himself up in the uh stratosphere of quarterbacks because you got a pretty loaded draft class he has to come back for a good season of course they lost their starting running back um who was kind of their playmaker all year they lost a few guys on defense but I could see him bouncing back. There's got to be some losses in there. I'm not predicting undefeated, 11-1, and one, blah, blah, blah. But I'm predicting a reasonable 9-3. and three. That That's what I'm going with. I've, if I'm Tulane, that's a success. Wade, did you find one yet? Right. I wasn't frantically finding my team. I was frantically finding y'all facts to, to back my team and making okay. sure they didn't go like 3-8 and eight last year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see it. All right, so – I'm going to go with one of the newer FBS teams in James Madison University. They uh, uh, acclimated like quite well to um, big boy football last year, going eight and three. They were flirting with an undefeated season until they ran into a tough three game stretch last year, losing to Marshall, Louisville, Ooh. and um, I think Old Dominion. Um, but nonetheless, this year so they uh, come back. Um, with a lot of their starters, and they have one of the easiest schedules I've seen. 
Uh, they're playing an in-state game against Virginia. They'll probably be favored in that game. Virginia is one of the worst Power Five teams. Yeah, I think I predicted them to get two. They're gonna finish dead last yeah. in that conference. So that, I think they could easily take that, and then they get South Alabama, who you mentioned being a oh, Sun Belt no. uh, favorite. They get them at home, and then they also get a home game um, against Appalachian State and Georgia Southern, who have been pretty good as well. Uh, they. We'll know if this team's legit when they play Troy on the road in week number four. I think if they can hang tight in that one or even pull off the upset, uh, this team could go undefeated. Oh, undefeated. Okay. okay. Well, watch James out for James Madison to the playoff. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm hearing. James yeah. Madison, James to, the Madison to the Orange Bowl. How do you, how do you deny an undefeated group? Uh, no, I think that five. if UTSA runs the table, I could see them getting. Well, they would have a win over Tennessee. Yeah, they would have. James a win Madison over Tennessee. would have a win over Virginia. <laughs> yeah, they, they're probably not getting it. No, you would have to have a Cincinnati type schedule to get in. You know, be like a Notre Dame, have that win. I think that if UTSA beats Tennessee, they're right up there. But next yeah, they, year, they, got a top they would be allowed. They would be in with an automatic bid. Yeah, that is true. That I I agree. The you know. With the team, with the conferences going away from the divisions, and then it's just really the best two that play at the end of the season. Automatic bid is in. That's the way you got to do it. Um, that's all I got for college football and NFL. I got some soccer news for you, Mister Neymar. He agrees to a two-year deal to join the Saudi-funded uh, Al Halal from PSG. Uh, the contract has not been released, but we're gonna take. Uh, numbers. What do we got, Tyler? How much you think he's getting a year? Seven hundred and fifty million. A year, okay, okay. That's uh, I think that's what Ronaldo got. Um, and then of course you have Mbappe getting like one point four billion, or that was the total. Wade, uh, a blank check. Okay, <laughs> all right. Um, I think he's he's probably around eight hundred, eight fifty. I think Neymar, while he's a little older, he brings the recognition. It's the same thing with Livgoff. They signed the Phil Mickelson, um, the Ian Poulter, the Sergio Garcias, the guys that aren't going to win. And then you go after, like, uh, Mbappe is Cam Smith. You know, throw him a bag. He's in his prime. Let him do his thing. Ronaldo and Neymar, I mean, they're they're arguably, I mean, they argue with Messi that he's that they're goats. I mean, Ronaldo, or Neymar, not so much. I think it's really Ronaldo and Messi, uh, at least in this current era of players. Uh, but you got all these guys joining um, the Saudi soccer leagues when Messi's like, Screw that. I'm going to play for the MLS and score a goal every game and just make a bag and really not even have to, to do anything. So I like Messi's uh, way of doing things. So, um, and of course, it wouldn't be a Sports Channel podcast without our NASCAR Neil update. He'll be on the show next week. So make sure you tune in for that one. We've got Michael McDowell gets the win at the Brickyard Road Course and kisses the bricks. And there's some milk in there too. I think one of the uh, races has milk. I don't think it's the road. The, I thought uh, it was Brick. like the Indy 500 or something like that. Yeah, I like a good glass of milk, so I Got watch it. It when I watch NASCAR. <laughs> um, his second career win with his other being the 21 Daytona 500, both being the most prestigious tracks in America. So Michael knows how to race. It was also announced earlier this week that his team, Front Row Motorsports, has picked up his option for next year. Well, look at them betting on their guy. Uh, no wrecks at a one on the green flag, despite the chaos we saw there last year. However, there was early contact by Joey Logano that sent Justin Haley sliding into the tire barrier, bringing out an early caution that ends up being the only caution of the race. So some clean racing. There's no rubbing there. This makes the first since single caution race since 2012. McDowell wins stage one after fighting hard all stage. Denny Hamlin manages to stretch his full for the entire first two stages and gets the stage two win. And, and the important playoff point, and then McDowell, McDowell finally cycled back to the lead after Hamlet pitted. And Chase Elliott also had a strong day while being in a must-win situation, finishing second. He's been historically a solid RC driver and should be the f- fastest week at Watkins Glen, where he's won there multiple times, and he was very close to winning last year. Playoffs battle is taken up a notch with McDowell leaving three spots open. However, the gap between 15 and 16 being 115 points, Brad Kay at 15 and at plus 143 points, and Bubba Wallace at 16th at plus 28. Daniel Suarez is minus 28, but finished third today, so he may have a shot to win next week. Ty Gibbs is 18th and is only negative 48. If no winner, no new winner this week, if both Bad K and Harvick maintain their 60-point lead, 
uh, on the 15th, they'll both lock in heading into the last race of the regular season. If not, we could see something like last year between Blaney and Truex Jr. Uh, This race was also full of drivers from around the world with SVG, the winner of Chicago, finishing ninth. His fellow Australian supercar driver, Brody Kostechi, that's the name, uh, finishing 22nd. Jensen Burton and Mike Rockefeller, who drove for NASCAR at the Le Mans, uh, finished 24th and 28th, respectively. And lastly, Kumai Kobayashi, who has raced everything from F1 to endurance to dirt bikes, finished 33rd. Um, and he said he does look forward to joining again live next week. So we'll have him here at the end of the show for his NASCAR deal segment. Uh, when are we going to we'll- see Saudi Arabian NASCAR? Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. <laughs> I think NASCAR is still American. Oil's cheap I- over there. There's no environmental regulations. I think you're majority NASCAR fans and majority NASCAR drivers are cold hearted, red, white, and blue American. (laughs) It could be a rival series. Middle Eastern country. Uh, I definitely don't think that's happening. It could be the America Cup versus the Saudi Cup every year. There you go. I uh, got the Ryder Cup coming up in a couple of weeks, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, it's heating up with uh, Lucas Glover won the playoff event. Um, it kind of changes things. So, uh, real quick, does John Rahm win the PGA uh, Championship this year? Or the PGA Championship, but the FedEx Cup. Tyler? Nope. nope. Wade? Uh, yeah, I'm going with consistency. You haven't w- watched golf in the past month, apparently, because he's yeah. he's finished pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, why I said that was an easy nope. No, Man's uh, in a slump. No, uh, I'm going. I think Scotty pulls it off. I mean, John Rom still has number one points, so he's still going to be at first to start off the championship. So he could do it. He's just been in a little bit of slump. He hits a slump buster and wins, and makes me look like a genius. There <laughs> you go. Uh, well. Guys, it's been a blast. Any other sports news before we send it off into the strategy? John Rahm is the Tampa Bay Rays. Got off to a good start and is limping to the finish line. <laughs> well, you got to watch about uh, the other Tampa Bay players, too, what they're limping on. Uh, with that, we'll end it. We won't go into too much detail on that one. Uh, y'all have a good week. <laughs>